All right, this episode of Hero's Journey podcast is brought to you by SMP Inc., which has been a very good friend to me and uh, Chase. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, it's changed my life. Actually, uh, gave me the confidence back that I, gosh, it was the thing I was known for. I was known for my hair, and now things are a little different these days. Don't laugh. My boy over here is my guest. He's laughing at me. Uh, JPS Computers, uh, I want to thank Alex and Jesse. Jesse, dude, thank you so much. If you have needs, you want websites built, you want to gain followers, those kinds of things, um, they can help you grow your company. JPS Computers out of Oregon. Chase, this is an I, I like this is a very, very special episode of a Hero's Journey podcast. Um, when I created this, I remember standing in my kitchen and I had a roommate, he's a pilot very well read, um, uh, my boy Boone. And he, I said to him, you know, one day, I want a podcast, but I don't know what it would be except for I know how I am and the kind of advice that I give my kids, uh, the people that I love around me, or the way that I try and live. And I was sitting there sipping on some coffee, talking to him, and I went, hero's journey. That's what it would be. It would, it would have to be a Hero's Journey podcast. And he looked at me and just, it was like a light bulb went off. And he's like, that, that's it. He's like, do you, know, do you know that that's, Joseph Campbell wrote a book and he starts breaking it down. And before you know it, he's sending me YouTube clips of things like Star Wars and all these things and how movies are broke down. And, and Joseph Campbell, you know, like highlights of all these things. And he goes, do you know what you know what hero's journey is? And I'm like, I have no clue. I just know that a hero's journey itself is something that the way that I try and live my life. I, I get up every morning and I want to be the hero of my own story. You know, I remember that episode that Brian Boone came on. Yeah, he uh, he sent me like. 40 hero's journey charts <laughs> and graphs to, to, to toss up there and there. Yeah, oh, dude. Yes, he did. That episode had more work done to it than anything. Like there, <laughs> yep. there were pie charts when he talked about things, whatever, <laughs> but he educated me, you know, on this whole thing. And for me, it was just a feeling it was, I'm a songwriter. So it was one of those things where I'm just, that's the way I was feeling when we were talking about it. Right. So my next guest, Today's guest, and for the next two weeks, today and, and next week, uh, we're going to break this up. I know that we have a lot to talk about. We're running out of time, and I'm wasting it just talking to you guys. <laughs> but, but my boy is like a brother to me, and I had to sit on my back porch last night and remind him that you are family. There is, there's a difference between people you choose that are your friends, and then there's the people you consider that are family. Yep. And it's true because he is, well, I think about who I am as an adult, who, who knocked me into making sure that I stayed humble. The things that, that lifted me up when I needed to be lifted up, that, that's what a big brother does. And I want to introduce you guys to my big brother. And I, I love you, dude, Mr. Scott Hartman. What's up, man? What's up, yo? How you doing? I'm doing excellent, actually. <laughs> good. I'm doing really good. I'm excited. This is fun. I appreciate you inviting me on and giving me the opportunity to talk. And, and honestly, to me, this is more about other people get to see what, how conversations go with us. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Because, you know, I, I was just mentioning to Chase 
having met the fine opera singer that um you know, for us, it, I think the funniest thing would be is if we got in here and sat here quietly or <laughs> and awkwardly. And didn't say anything. Not like, because uh, that would be the total contrast. Like, I mean, we talked for, I got here at five o'clock yesterday, drove in, and we talked till two in the morning. Literally easy, nonstop. Easy. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, it wasn't like anything else was going on. That's what it was. Everything we were doing was to support the conversation and, you know, and to reinforce and to catch up and, you know, and all those things. It's so familial, you know, and it's, it's and it's just grounded in all the time that we've been together and those experiences that, that you know, th those those extraordinary relationships that are frankly rare as you get older, too, of the people that you have all those experiences with and that emotional connection with and yeah you know and though and here's one of the things i've always appreciated a about the hopkins family and you and and our friendship has always been that we don't need to tell each other that we love each other right. and we got your back and all that but we always are telling always each other. do yeah we're always making sure yeah. that takes us back to you remember when robert cutting passed away yes when we were kids oh and and that was a big turning point for us as a group because we all went from sort of puffy chested kids to hey i'm giving you a hug before i don't know if i'm gonna see you again i love you man and, then, and it was a really interesting point for us as a group as all of our friends that yeah. that was where and particularly for you it became such a defining thing where you it like, did I'm resonate going, with I'm me. Going yeah. to, I'm giving hugs, man. I, I love you. Mm -hmm. And it was really, it was amazing to see that. Now, this is a million years ago, but, you know, but like that's always been part of the dynamic amongst the family, as it were, and the but rest of it. somebody young had passed yes. that we knew that yeah. we worked, we, we yeah. all worked, we worked at a club together. Yeah. We grew up, <laughs> we grew up, Chase, we worked at a club. I was uh, 16 and I get a job at a dance club on ladies night during the summer on a Wednesday. <laughs> and I ended up meeting two of the guys that, that we talk about Dan and, and Chris met there. Yep. And Chris was a, was a wrestler and Dan, you know, was, became this, you know, fireman and all it just, it's crazy. But as kids, that's where we all like, I already knew you. Yeah. And I brought you in yep. to the fold yep. and got you a job there when yep. we had a job. And we're a family. <laughs> I, All I, of us are. I broke we're the seal so there. tight. Yeah. Yeah. I, sorry, I'm interrupting. But no, you're I, fine. I, you know, that's funny because I always joke that I broke the seal because. Everybody worked there were super attractive dudes wearing the bow ties and part of what brought all the young girls into the club and the rest of it. And then, but they needed somebody who could work the door. And so like I rolled in and I'm like, okay, I'll be here. I'm one of these guys now. Yeah. All right, cool. Dude, you know, six, how tall are you? Right? Six, 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 four. four. Yeah. Six, four. At that time you're like 300 pounds. So, yeah, yeah. And just yeah. hammer thrower, yeah. all American I was an athlete. All I could, I could dunk throw. a shot put. I was always proud of that, that I could dunk a shot put. That, I mean, <laughs> for being 300 pounds, to be able to one yeah. hand dunk a shot put felt pretty impressive to me. Like stuff I can't do now, it's sort of fantasy stuff. <laughs> you know? Like I remember, you know, that was neat. But definitely a formidable person at that time, for sure. Oh, you definitely. Know? In and early days, I mean, it was so, like that was such, um, and it's so strange because it's so present, but, it, you know, that, that was where everything was just, I don't know, the beginning of the universe in many ways, yeah. you know, all these relationships and people that we have such affection for and, you know, wonderful stories and experiences that are all part of what shaped us into who we are now. Because as, as much as we loved each other then, 
we're substantially better people now because of all those things and yeah. because of each other yep. and you know, the good and bad that came with that and you know, and all the rest of it. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I fondly I th think about those days. I do. And I, I'm, I'm thinking about something right now. I don't know why it's coming to mind, but, Go ahead, man. <laughs> but talking about the dance club and, um, how we, you know, talking about this, we'll probably get thrown in jail. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I thought about this yeah, story and I was like, I'm not going to say uh, that. You're not going to say it, yeah. Even though it's well after the, uh, yeah, the statute we, we, of limitation. Yeah, yeah. But, Nobody's coming after but us. We're but. like teenagers and <laughs> some, some guy goes and smacks the, the girl who takes the money yeah. and the owner goes, bring him to me. And it was like <laughs> out of a movie, dude. And oh, we drove through town and we're before cell phones, before any of that stuff. And oh. I don't know how we got the word out. And next thing you know, we're like walking through a house party and dragging a guy from his sink where his friends are not stopping us and <laughs> throwing him in a car and driving him to the owner of the club. Oh, oh we could go anyway, to jail let's, now. <laughs> also, let's be clear. You know, A, we never, never do that. Yeah. B, he hit a woman who was a friend of ours and a co-worker. Yes. And in our mind, there's just one thing. We're going to go get this guy <laughs> and we're going to bring him back and he will face the music. And so when we, you know, it's funny because I remember you hit the door and everyone sort of stared at you and you're like, hey, and you pointed at him because he's sitting at the table across yeah. the, in the room. And then I hit the door and everybody parted the seas <laughs> and you walked through. <laughs> and I grabbed him. But, you know, and then we, like, listen, nothing, nothing happened, happened to, to him. him. <laughs> back and, you know, and it was just a verbal, hey, yes, man. Yes, you can't do this. Don't do this. We'll turn you into you the place. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and he was fine. Was like, yeah. We'll leave that story yeah. right there. That's as far as you, know, you want to tell it. He wasn't floating down the river no, or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. But, you know, listen, it was, it, the intention wasn't to hurt him. No. None of, that, none of that was our thought. It was about protecting family. It was right. about protecting people we were around. Our, you know, Pam. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. That was Pam. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know... So, yeah, I tell that story. But then, you know, it's amongst many of the stories that I would tell in my youth and either A, say, I don't know why I did this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, or, or B, like, don't do this, you know. But without those experiences, sometimes you, you, don't, you don't necessarily know to look back on it and go, I could have done it differently. Yeah, you know? I could have handled this yeah. in a different Though way. Though I would say we were upset enough that he'd heard somebody that, that we cared about, you know. And again, you know, this was pre-cell phones and the rest of it and yeah. stuff. And I, one of the th caveat to it is that, that when we went to find him, we found him because of how many people we knew. That's what I'm saying. Like we knew that social network was long before Facebook or yeah, AOL was, for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just it, was, it was crazy. But, and we grew up together in Salem, Oregon. Yeah. That's, that's where we're from. Yeah. We grew up in Salem. Um, here's the crazy journey that we'll get to here because we grew up together and there was, there's a group of us, you know, there, there's Dan, Chris, my brother, Cody, you, um, in the, in the, that's the tight knit. You had, you had Blaine, you have, um, Brian, my cousin, Brian, yep. who came in, Brian Wicks, Kent, um, Kent Emery, yep. you know, these were, that came in later yeah. into the fold. Yeah. And that was like our little group. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were all a, you know, a brotherhood Yeah. and it, it stayed like that. So 
we all grow up and go our separate ways. And I remember, uh, you know, I, I pick up and I, I move to California. Yeah. And the day that I moved to California and then Dan and Cody follow mm-hmm. is a day that I had to get an apartment because I was living in my park, living in a parking lot at Gold's Gym yeah, where know. you know very well because oh, we yeah. used to work out there. Yep. But how did you, because you started to share this and I said, mm. I want to know, like, what was the turning point? Salem, Oregon. You ended oh. up in Salem because now what you guys don't know about Scott, I have my buddy Scott Hartman on. Scott teaches at the New York Film Academy. You teach film. You teach how to take yeah. a, a, an idea mm-hmm. from nothing, you know, and creating it all the way to a finished product. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. Yeah. But how did... It's a little foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, look, I'm a Salem guy, you know, I grew up there and I, frankly, I thought it, 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 uh, I don't know. I, I just didn't see an outside opportunity beyond, I started, let's take it all the way back. I started doing theater in like the second grade. Right. I started doing musical theater. So I was doing one or two plays a year, you know, which is ironic. Cause when you look at me, you go, Oh, theater actor. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and I loved it. And I, yeah. you know, frankly, I was pretty good at it. And then, you know, finished it with high school. And I, and I know I said this to you because that was my thinking at the time is that I don't look like Tom Cruise or Mel Gibson. Like my acting is over. It's done, you know? So like I, I sort of put it aside and I started working at the school for the deaf. And then I watched McCoy go down and started getting into acting. You know, we were on a wrestling team together and now he's acting. He never acted before. And I was like, wait a second. He was on a TV show, The Guys Next Door. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. his own show. Yeah, exactly. And he's having success and he's so ambitious and he's going after it and working hard. And I just couldn't reconcile that, too. It felt confusing because I actually, as a senior award, I got a bunch of senior awards. You know, funny enough that I, I, like that means anything. But one of them, my point being, is that one of them was most likely to become an actor. Right. And one of the funniest things about when I got that was... Most people knew me as a thrower, you know, and as a loud big guy in school. A lot of people didn't see this 6'4", 275 guy senior in high school as being an actor. Right. You know, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't see that. So I'd done all that. I'd been acting for my entire life, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I watched Chris go down. And then I watched you roll down. And I'm like, man. But I still am like, but, yeah, the, that world's not for me. I don't look pretty enough. Or, and that's the way I thought about it. Right. And the way I understood it, anyway. And so, you know, I went to work for the Oregon School for the Deaf, started learning sign language. You know, it was a state job. And Salem is really about state jobs, right? Because the, it is. My the sister prison is yeah. there. You know, the, the, the mental health stuff is right there in Salem. You know, School for the Deaf is there. All that, you know, all government jobs. And, and you know, and to me, there's two, two images that stick in my head that help me sort of transition. Because, A, I started to get antsy. You know, I, at this point I had gone to college, it was on scholarship. I was paid to throw the hammer. I was in track and field and I was pretty good at that, but I was a terrible student, terrible student. And to illustrate that, let me tell you, this is my favorite way to explain how bad a student I was, Chase, is that I remember drinking beer and with my friends, like on a Friday, you remember that little like guest house place that I had way, way back. Yeah. Okay. You know. And I remember drinking beer with friends on a Friday afternoon. I had this minor panic attack. And I went, oh, oh, oh crap. 
And, and everybody's like, what? What's going on? And I go, oh, man, I forgot to go to class. <laughs> and, they, and, they said, and they said to me, oh, you forgot to go to class today? And I go, no, this week. Oh, and dude. Like, I got to Friday. And so that, that illustrates how good a student I was. Not. But you were so good. You got me through college. Right. You know, my well, first yeah. year. Oh, I, no, no. I still remember it because I wrote a paper for you. <laughs> you did. When you were a Clackamas <laughs> that was about colonial and purita uh, puritanical influence in colonial America. Exactly. So, no, and you know, dude. Like, I still think you got a, like a B or yeah. like nothing great on it. But, <laughs> but like I was like, I can do that. Exactly. But I wouldn't do my own work. I wouldn't go to class, but I wanted to be an athlete. That's what I was there right, for. Right. I had no clear direction in terms of where I was trying to go, what I want to do. I was, it was kind Kind of an extension of high school in some ways and i loved throwing the hammer and that was you know wonderful i trained with olympian i was thrown with olympians you know and it, it was extraordinary no coach it was just a right. it was just a throwing partner but i learned a ton from him and uh and then you know uh, his name uh, again john mccarl there you go yeah. i remember yeah. him yeah he um yeah, so because uh, I went to Chemeketa and you were yeah. you were there throwing. I went yeah. there just for a couple months, yeah, yeah. before moving to California. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, so um, you know, and then and then I I went off and I I be, you know I went to Southern Oregon University and went to nationals. I got third, you know, in the hammer. I was an All American, and my coach sat me down and said, "You have the ability to be a champion, but you don't have the attitude." And I went, "F you, I'm leaving," and I dropped oh, out. Wow. You know, and but look, I was, you know, I was, I was a terrible student. I was, you know, right. and I knew that I didn't, but I didn't have clarity. I didn't have that vision of where I was trying to go or what I wanted to do. And frankly, some of the discipline wasn't there. And so, you know, I dropped out of college, you know, and tried to find myself, you know, right. and I remember the first year or so out of college that, you know, it was almost an odd point of pride, you know, and ignorance of youth, I suppose. But, uh, you know, I, I got, I had, I can't tell you how many jobs, you know, at that time where I ended up at the end of the year with a stack of W-2s. That's how many jobs I had and lost. And as I was sort of figuring, right. and at this point you'd, you'd gone. And so, you know, I'm working at the school, I'm gaining weight, <laughs> right. you know, and, and, you know, now I'm paying into retirement for through the state. I'm 20 four 25 years old or something and i'm and and all i'm seeing is like you know retirement and death like that's all i'm seeing but i don't see the in-between part in the context of hero's journey that's the story right that's where everything really happens is in the journey and all i was seeing was an end to it and i had this vision of myself sitting on a like a brown vinyl recliner overstuffed with like that one strip of silver tape up in the corner. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I'm 400 pounds and I'm flipping the remote control and going, I could have done that. Right. You know, and I, I, that bothered me. That profoundly bothered me. And that was part of what, um, you know, got me to throw my crap into the truck and come to L.A. And for me, it became, you know, this was all going into the darkness. I didn't know where I was going to. Right. And I arrived in L.A. on a Friday night. I'll never forget this. It was a very poignant moment for me because, you know, L.A. traffic is insane. A Friday night on the 101. Oh, it's nothing like Salem, man, dude. Oh, man, it's a little I, freaky, and, huh? And I, and I only been yeah. to L.A. for nationals. And so now I'm on this freeway, not really clear. And this is all pre, you know, Google Maps. So right. I'm like, oh, where am I going? And I realized the traffic was just flying past me. Yep. You know, I'm like in the middle lane. There's five lanes. They're all just moving past me. And I'm like, if I, it's late at night, there's space on the freeway, which was crazy. And that's yeah. what's spooky about it. Yeah. But yeah. 
But for me, that moment really hit me because I had to have a conversation with myself, which is, you know, because I started freaking out, getting really concerned. And I was like, man, you're in L.A. You have an option, dude. Either you need to turn your ass around or you need to hit the gas pedal. And I had made a conscious choice. And it, right now, I would say it was right around, you know, Woodland or something like that. And I just went, boom, hit my gas pedal. And now I find that I'm sort of in the groove with the wow. rest of traffic. And that was a big, like, no, I'm committed to do this, right? And so came to L.A. And, you know, in my mind, you know, here's an opportunity to, to maybe get into acting and, you know, like pursue that, you mm -hmm. know, without really even know the direction of it and how to approach that. I mean, you, I, you, you have no idea when you get here so necessarily what to do. And, you right. know, so and open to the adventure of it, too, right. you know, because I knew I just made a, a pretty substantial life choice to to go away from a paradigm where. You know, a people were sort of busting my chops. You know, friends and family were like, "Man, what are you doing? You've got retirement going. You got a state job. You're, yep. you know, like, why would you like give that up to go be an actor? You know, right. and it was confusing to them. And here's the irony of that: that judgment of of that is those are often the same people who are like, "Man, you're so lucky." Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's like, but yeah. but I had to, you know, this was all for me. I had to figure out you know, where I was going and I knew I wasn't there. So I had to be active about moving forward and trying stuff and, you know, kind of getting over my own fear of what was in front of me and what I could do. So I was in LA. There you were. So, and you know, it throws me back to, you moved in with me. Yeah. And we, it was you, me and that was a Christian, huge thing, man. Christian Martin, right? Yeah, you, you, that, that's a big moment that probably rooted me in being able to stick around because where I, you know, I was trying to figure out where I could stay and what, you know, I was staying with Marcello and Cody and that wasn't working out. And, and you went, Hey dude. And I was like, man, you know, and also to contextualize it, like, listen, this is something we talked about a little bit last night too. It was like at that point in my life, you know, end of a, a, a long relationship, you know, I, I, depression was certainly a part of who I was. I think there was an uncomfortable cynicism about how I thought about things. And it's embarrassing. I said it last night, but I'm willing to say it because this was one of the lessons I picked up is I said it out loud. Like, I'm going to let Brian go down there and make it because I believed in you. I always believed in Thanks. you. And, you know, didn't know what it was going to be. Certainly never predicted music, for example. Right. But, you know, and I, and I said, and it's fucking embarrassing. I'm sorry. Can I swear? <laughs> you can swear. Sorry, okay, good. I'm a swearer, so that's going to be. <laughs> can I swear? But, it, but I'm telling you, it was Chase, it's it was a dollar in, in the jar. <laughs> Let me just give you my credit card now. Let <laughs> me just say. But, uh, but it, it truly, and I, I think it's right to say this. It's fucking embarrassing for me to say this, but I was like, I'm going to ride Brian's coattails. <laughs> and, you know he's gonna do it and no I'm pressure on in. brian yeah you know well it wasn't about you i know but <laughs> i'm just saying you, yeah. you know yeah, just gonna do it you know and it was such arrogant and entitled and it's embarrassing that i thought that way and i you know and i even said it out loud but <laughs> but what's good about it is that i'm embarrassed by it now because right. i don't think that way no you don't certainly realize that that's not the right approach to success it's not what i teach or how i talk to other people or mentor people in terms of trying to go out and be successful with things. And, you know, and so I had to learn the lessons along the way to be able to reflect on that in a way that made me go, oh, that's awful. That's wrong. That's silly, you know? And um, so, yeah, you know, so I came and started doing the grind, you know? And, and without you convincing Christian, 
you know, who didn't know me right. to be able to, for all of us to cram into. And let's be clear, two, oh. be, two bedroom place or I lived in the living room and I lived in that living room for five years or something like yeah, that. We lived in a, yeah. in a place that's about the and not as a complaint. S- no, it was amazing. It, it was not, it's not very big. No. If you took this no. space that we're in right now, yeah. stretched it out to the next room, yeah. maybe a little bit further down. Yeah. That was the entire yeah. apartment. You lived in a closet, essentially a little oversized closet. I had the front living room that, which initially was just sheets hanging from the ceiling, you yep. know, exactly. and, and that, and you, asking and advocating for me, which I've always found is kind of a rare thing, you know, because I think a lot of people are just in survival mode and trying to take care of themselves. I found that, you know, a selfless thing that was very beneficial and helpful to me that really is a linchpin to, you know, how I was able to stick around and navigate. And you were a good mentor to me having been there and lived in your car and found a way to to, to live in LA and meeting people and, you know, and then Chris was part of that in, in Cody, obviously. And, you know, like all that helped me sort of find direction and get my footing that I wouldn't have had if I just showed off on the bus on my own. So that's, that's a big, that's a big moment for me that, you know, in and of itself is like, oh, we're getting an apartment. But what it meant to me when I kind of look back on it, reflect right. on it, that's a really key moment for it's me. It's wild that you say that, that you are actually think about those things and you had mentioned some of this last night we were Mm. talking because i don't think of it like that i don't remember it like that i just remember like i said at the beginning of this podcast your brother to me i don't think (laughs) about the things that i I do for my brother that that may stick out with him but there are moments in our lives that have that do have an impact and that on a hero's journey like as you teach you know there is you called me a mentor in Mm. this and and I did. I, I, I guess I did help you along and as I was, you know, learning to navigate that when yeah. I got there and living in my car and stuff. But I made that easier for Cody. I made it easier for Dan. I made it easier for you. Because mm-hmm. I remember, and I said this last night, we were sitting by the pool because it's, this is a defining moment to me yeah. as to who you are. Mm. Um, we were sitting by the pool and our place, if I'm going to date ourselves, was very much like Melrose Place. It was a yeah. you know pool right in the center. Pool of the in the center, yeah. exactly. And Inter- everything. Interesting neighbors. All of our neighbors. Everyone were interesting. still in our lives. Yeah. You know, in many of those yeah. many a, a lot yeah. of them still have with, with love and great. Oh, you know, great, little, yeah. Tony Natoli, yeah. love you, dude. Yeah, brother, for sure. You know, so for Tony, sure. great filmmaker. You <laughs> yeah. know, anime uh, actor. He's actor, still a great actor. Oh. Too. Yeah. You know, uh, so many different yeah. TV shows and whatnot. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, we're sitting there by the pool and you don't know them yet. Yeah. But not like I do at yeah. this time. And we start talking about John Hughes mm. uh, films and the things that Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink and all these movies, yeah. St. Elmo's Fire, all these kinds of things that had an impact on us as kids sure. growing up. Yeah. Vision Quest, you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. these these movies and you being the one who was an actor, Cody was the one that was a singer, Yeah. you know, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Still, I, still a singer. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cody's amazing. My yeah, brother just, there's yeah. not an, a best stage big enough for him. Yeah. Um, but just one of those things where this defining moment sitting there takes me to it was like where you are now and that moment Mm. is exactly who you became. Mm. You became 
somebody who who wanted to tell stories and find a way to tell stories and you were expressing to me what these movies meant to you and why and and, and me as well you mm. know those kinds of things you know which will lead to later on down the line when we get into this conversation you know some of the the stuff that's that's going on so now you're in LA yes and we talked about this last night yeah where it dawned on me the more we were digging and digging and digging sure. trying to figure this out i went wait a minute i did walk you into offices with me when when you know i had the i was the waiter in la yeah. who went from agent to agent to agent only because i was waiting on them and they would give me an opportunity sure and as the opportunity happened i was like hey you, you know you want to go with me yeah and i walk you in and i'm the one going my boy he's yeah. the actor yeah not me and we found ourselves at KSA, yeah. at, you know, being represented at KSA yeah. commercially, yeah. theatrically, you know, and through this journey. And I, it didn't, it didn't dawn on me until last night because again, hmm. it was just things that we do. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that was the intention of to have me come along for the opportunity, no. but it was just as much about us being able to hang out and do stuff together. Right. It was just as much about us, um, you know, me giving a ride or, you know, and then also with the hope that maybe this could be something. That's and, what I mean. You know, but it was all part of just living and doing Exactly. Stuff this and, is what we and, do together. And, and then also, you know, us trying to take advantage of these opportunities that are availing mm -hmm. themselves. And, you know, as we're still trying to, you know, understand the world and the, the we're figuring in, it out. To, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we had a roommate There's who no worked internet. his ass off. Yeah. He worked oh, he, as yeah. an actor. Absolutely. He worked his butt off, but yeah. he couldn't. I, I don't think he ever had an agent his entire life. You show up in within months. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you have an agent. Yeah. You know, we're, we're grinding and out. Yeah. And, and this is a guy who did everything. He, if he, I won't, well, I did. I already say his name. <laughs> yeah. But, well, no, I mean, you know, but it, yeah. it's, it, that's part of it too, because, you know, and with him in particular, there was one thing that was a good lesson of that was he was so active about the pursuit of it. It wasn't simply about him trying to be a good actor, which wasn't the problem, is that he was, you know, he was always like a step ahead, ambitious on backstage or drama log, looking at, yeah. you know, always getting, submitting getting, himself. getting stuff out yep. there. He was always anticipating stuff. You know, he, I mean, he was active about doing it. Um, and so that was something that, that, that was a good lesson to watch and see mm -hmm. that kind of approach to it, you know, cause you don't always know you, you, there's, there's sort of a fallacy that if you want it bad enough, it'll come to you. And that's bull. It doesn't yeah. work like that. That's right. a wish. Yeah. You know, and a wish is not an active thing. That's just a feeling. And we've gotten sort of, <laughs> we seem to be part of a, you know, I mean, too often people, especially people who go to Hollywood whether it be writers, musicians, or actors, or filmmakers, or the rest, they get wrapped up into, but I really, really want it. And yeah. I'm like, cool, that's a great starting place. Now what are you doing about it? Mm -hmm. And he was one of those guys who was actively, you know, within whatever was it within his power, he was trying to go for it. You right. know? And he was pretty all in on it. And it was, you know, so we yeah. definitely got to live with it, that and watch him, right. you know, approach it that Somebody way. Somebody who worked really hard. Yeah. So... I remember at this point, it just dawned on me because sure. you were there like five years. And then all of a sudden you look at me and said, I still have eligibility 
in throwing. Oh, and you, there's a lot more that happened in between there too, because you know, part of the transition was that, you know, I booked some stuff. And in fact, the last thing I booked was, and we, you've talked about this part of being able to take control of things is that it's so funny to say this, knowing having owning a mirror, this is funny to say, is that I booked a big and tall modeling thing. And so I'm out at Marina de Rey making more money than I'd ever made, you know, right. and I'm standing next to this lovely girl and they're, you know, the photographer's there and, you know, and I'm like, a dummy i don't know what i'm talking about and i you know i went oh man because they're trying to figure out the shot and i'm like oh if you over here you can get us and then you can get those sailboats and he looks at me dead in the eye and goes can we get makeup over here and he walked away with the group and i'm just standing there looking like a dip and i was like oh i don't like this and in in, in conjunction with taking the acting classes which right. i also got in with michael back in the day and you know one of my greatest frustrations that was part of me choosing to go a different direction was that each new generation of pretty boy shows up and my was like scott why don't you do it with mice and men with him <laughs> and i was like man i've done the same like i'm getting typecast in a, an acting class hey, right i gotta play i gotta pet the rabbits and i like right and so i started and that was where i started writing and so i wrote the monologues and i started working on a stage play and then you know it's la so i'm like oh man i i should make a movie you know, and yeah. I started making those short That's films. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and then you know, I got into some small festivals, made some awful, awful first films that I was super proud of at the time, but there's levels to this. Right. Right. So right. of course, you know, and I learned a ton from those and, you know, and I took advantage of resources available to me and actors. In fact, I worked in a group home and I actually cast them in like one of I my first shorts, that. you know, and, and I was pretty yeah. proud. I got pretty good performances from them and, you know, Latham came along and did sound and, you know, and it like, you know, I, I learned a lot from that, even as like embarrassing as it is now to look at it as work. But, you know, that was where I sort of shifted from wanting to be an actor to being, ooh, I like this behind the camera. I like the storytelling. I like the control of sort of, you know, not just dealing with my own performance, but be able to manage and direct other performances. And then the totality of the story that you get to tell. And, you know, something I was just talking about earlier is that, you know, I like to be on set where you're around people that are enthusiastic and good energy. And, you know, they're doing the hard work, but they, they're, they're part of the, their collaboration. And right. all Everybody's that became very, yeah. And so, you know, that, that sort of left me in a tenuous place. And, but I'd always had this, you know, and it was a very internal thing. I didn't talk about it a lot. But I always had this like black cloud, like the, like the, um, the, I don't remember, a pig pen from the peanuts. Yes. Like that black cloud that just hung over my head that always made me feel bad that I didn't finish college because I, because I dropped out. I right. was a terrible student and I did poorly. And, and so, and, and you're right. It was absolutely on a whim. I went, I wonder if I could go back to college. Yeah. You know, I remember and the it was day. more than five years. It was substantially longer, which puts me in like, what I always I'm sort of proud of is that because the longer you're out of college after you've dropped out, the less likely it is you go. So I was in this weird like 89 percentile that wouldn't go back to college, you know. Right. And it was also really important to me that I went back to Southern Oregon, which is where I screwed up. Yeah. I don't know why I became it's so Ashland. fixated on yeah, I, I know. Ashland, yeah. 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 But I became so fixated on the idea of I have to do it there. I have to be there. I have to go make up for my mistake at the place that I screwed up. I really don't know what that was or why, but you know, and then within a 
few months, I, my, I had my little red Geo Metro we were talking about. Yeah. You know, towing behind a U-Haul, and I'm going to Ashland. I'm giving up my entire life that I built almost over a decade at that point in L.A. Wow. To go to, to, go to move to Southern Oregon to go get my, finish my bachelor's degree. You know, and that was a big thing for me because, as I've mentioned, not a good student. You know, high school I did okay, you know, in terms uh-huh. of, like, I, you know, with attention deficit that they didn't talk about when we were kids and all right. the rest of it. I wasn't a great student. But I could, you know, I could go take the test and I'd pass my class, that kind of thing. There was always that hand slap of, are you going to fail unless you get an A on the final and be like, oh, the final? Okay. And I'd do it and I'd be right. fine, you know, and I'd passed, right? Not Still not a good student, not the right, right. discipline, not the right approach. Bad student in, in college the first run. So I really had anxiety about going back. I was afraid I was going to fail at it. But as it turns out, after you've had to pay your bills, live, survive, whether it's waiting tables or working 50 hours a week at a group home or whatever it is, it turns out going to college wasn't as hard. Right. Because I, I, I thought it was hilarious that they're like, okay, you have to be there Tuesday from 12 to 2. And I'm like, that's my commitment, the two hours? <laughs> yeah, I think I can do that. <laughs> that's it, really? And this podcast oh, well, is almost two hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, you know, oh, just read the syllabus. Oh, I did that. You know, oh, read the chapters. Oh, okay. So that's all I have to do. Oh, wait. And it turned out college wasn't that hard, you right. know? And that's one of my big points of pride for me in my own personal story is that I went back to Southern Oregon with a GPA that they didn't forgive. It was 2.1. Right. Right. So that not good. Let's just say right. for anybody who's not familiar, 2.1 is not a good GPA. <laughs> all right. That's less than a C. And I was still now it's 12 years later, 10 years later. I'm still on academic probation. They hadn't forgiven me on that. Oh. And so and then they, they also wouldn't let my GPA go. So. With that GPA, I was focused and you know, I'm like, I'm going to get my degree. And, but now I was an active student. I was now the guy sitting in the front of the room who, when the professor says in the astronomy class, you know, anybody have any other questions? I was the guy going, yeah, I do. And you'd hear 200 people go, oh. And I'm like, hey, look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm invested. I want to know right. what's going on. I was actually curious and, you know, and sort of surmise this this ramble is that you know the thing i'm particularly proud of is a getting the degree which made me feel good had a wonderful experience and to be honest with you i had way more fun this time going to college and i worked i was back on the track team which you mentioned i went back to nationals and competed i'm i'm you know i'm old at this point relative i'm throwing at nationals and i got like 10th again you know so not great no coach you know a guy who's technically i could have been master's class at this point you know, and so the nice thing about a small college thing and, you know, and, and then, but more importantly to all of that is that I raised my GPA from a two point, you know, 2.21 to a f- on the last term of the final um, bit of college before I graduate, I raised my GPA to a 3.52. I'm so proud of that because that meant that I graduated with honors. I went from being a guy who's going drinking wow. beer on a Friday and forgetting to go to class for a week to be in the guy who now has gotten straight A's. The funniest moment for me was when on that first semester, in the middle of the semester, I remember if you remember this, where like if you're doing poorly in the middle of the semester, midterms, you got to go around and get people, the teachers to sign to say that you're still doing okay. And I had teachers going, what the fuck is this? 
because I was such a good student at that point that they, they were confused by it. And I'm like, well, kind of a holdover from before, you know? Oh, wow. So they were baffled that the idea had to do that. And so for me, that was a big, you know, um, cloud that got put away, success, um, you know, uh, and part of the success was knowing how to do the work, knowing how to approach it, have the right attitude about it, you know, not get distracted by all the things that frankly pulled me in when I was a kid. Right. Now I was there, you know, because there's an old adage that, you know, education is wasted on the youth. And, you know, and for me, that was 100% true. Right. You know, so when I went, I was, oh man, you know, it was a wonderful experience, absolutely worth, you know, the time and the sacrifice of doing, doing it. And, you know, and it was just one of those other random turning points in my life, you know certainly have not done things in any kind of normal way but that again that was part of moving to la and and a part of all of our friendship right. it wasn't about building like, on it yeah you know it, it was we've all done our own had our own paths even though we've always been connected we've all still done our own things right. you know within the and still had that, those relationships and so that was part of the thing for me that was really important that i needed to do for myself was to go finish that degree so that brought you back, though. You came back to L.A. And well, you... first I went. I moved back home, which is something we've always said, I'm never going to do that. Yeah. I'm never going to live in Salem. But I did. You know, and then I applied to Chapman University, which at the time was just coming in as one of the best film schools. They just built, you know, I don't know, $45 million studio stages. They, you know, they started bringing in these professors from AFI and some of the best film schools to be part of this school. And so... I took that transition year between undergrad planning to go to a film school, which was one of the top film schools. And I was very clear about where I wanted to go. And I applied in, in it's, I don't know for people who haven't applied to graduate school, you have to write a paper about a movie that you like. So you have to write an essay about that. You have to write. What was your movie? I wrote about Boogie Nights. Oh, shoot. Right? You know, um, and because listen, I, I, one of the things I really appreciate about that movie, it's an ensemble piece and it has a great narrative to it. And like, yeah. you know, Mark Wahlberg is a clear protagonist in this story, but the, all the supporting stories as part of the ensemble, they all had very rich, clear stories as well. Yeah. That's clear, what I like strong about motivations it about it. Right. And in fact, the porn industry had its own character arc as well. Right. The porn industry went from, as they described in the movie, going from movie houses shot on film and, you know, you know, a level of filmmaking to it to where it was just video and straight distribution through VHS. Right. And it, it, and it, it was related to the rest of the story and the rest of the characters in it. So it was interesting to me. And plus, I just didn't want to do the obvious, which, frankly, I think one of the, mo the best movies ever made was The Godfather. And that's the one I want to write about. But it felt like obvious everyone's yeah gonna everyone's gonna do that and nobody wrote about the godfather are you serious nobody nobody wow. ever does it because it seems obvious that yeah. people try to be interesting or different or whatever and now right. i'm like i'm unabashedly like the godfather is one of the best yeah. you know because it works on so many different levels but so you know the the chapman thing and then you know i'm in the midst of it i you know had an interview and then somewhere in the middle of that and here's how it was explained to me we lost your application and i was like what? Jiggle what? <laughs> uh, and, I, and I really, you know, and what do you do? How do you confront somebody that you're trying to, I'm trying to get into the school, you know? And they're just like, sorry, you know, maybe you can think about reapplying. And I'm like, 
man, what am I going to do? And so I'm staying and funny enough, living back in Salem gave me the motivation. Yeah. So like, there's the, nothing wrong with Salem. It was a great place to grow up for us. No, no, no. I, yeah. You know, look, but I, it's, it, I, it's not where it was. No, but it, it's not where but I wanted I'm talking to stay. About, at, this I point, at this point, I'm talking about for me, where I was mm -hmm. at and what I wanted to do, right. you know, it's home. It's always home. Right. You, know, you go home, it's home. Right? right. And there are plenty of people we know that, um, you know, got married, had kids and did that stuff. You're living and, a good and, life. Yeah. yeah. It's great. great life. Yeah. But I had to, you know, but I had to not just do stuff because other people did it or because here's what I saw on TV that you're supposed to do, mm -hmm. you know, go to high school, go to college, get married, have kids, right. You know, work, retire, die, you know, like that's, you know, that wasn't, that <laughs> well, that's didn't seem, a sad movie. Well, you know, and not to over, <laughs> over, you know, not to over consolidate it, but you know, that was part of what I, I looked at. And so I reapplied to Chapman, but this time I also applied to smaller film schools as fallbacks just in case. Cause Chapman was, you know, um, 600 people applied for 15 spots, spots at, at Chapman for a directing track and 60, you know, so there's only 15 spots. So the idea that, so it's a long shot to get into right. exactly the school I want to go to. I was very clear about where I wanted to go. I looked at the program, I looked at the people who were teaching there, you know, I knew where I wanted to be. And uh, I didn't get into one of the schools that were backup schools that I wanted to get into, but I got into Chapman. Oh, wow. Yeah. So for me, that was, and I didn't know the story behind it. Yeah. I just, yeah. you, you know, I'm just yeah. like, oh, no. you just, but this is, he's going is, to Chapman. Yeah. Cool. This is just my own personal right. experience with it. Not everybody had the same kind of experience. And I was a bit older when I went as well, you know. And, uh, you know, ton of money, you know, student loans are crazy, but I knew what I wanted to do. And I, I was like, damn the torpedoes, I'm going there. And at this point I was going because I wanted to go learn this craft. I've been making movies and I thought I was pretty good at it, you know, and I was doing mm -hmm. okay. I'd won a few little awards at, at uh, festivals. I've been able to make some stuff and I still enjoyed it and, you know, but it's also, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So I like, I want to go and I'm going to graduate school so that I can, you know, get the voices in my head and, and to learn from people who are substantially better than I am. And again, just to clarify, you know, and here's the misnomer about like, I'll just put it in the context of film schools is it's not necessarily about the people who've made stuff or done really well at things because there's a completely different craft to being, being a teacher. You know, and you not only do they have to have mastery of the art form, but then they also have to mastery of teaching to be able to get you to do it. Exactly. Because if you know how to do it, but you can't get your students to be able to do it, then you're of no value. Right. As a teacher in particular. Right. So Chapman was a great opportunity for me to go in and it was super challenging. It was really, you know, as we talked about last night, it, many occasions about it, it was awful. It was so, it was isolating and... It, it was hard to do. Getting my thesis was challenging, but I had the maturity at the time to recognize the finished thought no, yeah. is that I'm in the middle of character building. This sucks, but I know how I choose to manage this in this moment will be the thing that makes me more prepared for the next hard moment to come. And it will come. And that's, we're going to leave that on this particular episode because that's in, in, in movie making TV, you know, this is the turn to commercial or tune in next week to find out what yeah. happens. Um, 
Same so, bad channel. Exactly. Same, yeah. So real quick, we're going to be back next week. We're going to finish this. We're going to finish because we talked about this last night, yeah. what you had to go through at Chapman and why. I have Scott Hartman, my childhood friend. He teaches at the New York Film Academy. Uh, so if you're into making movies, telling stories, wanting to get into anything like this, we're going to get dive deeper into how you became yeah. the guy that you okay. are in this second episode. Nice. Uh, real shout out again to JPS Computers. Uh, Rock Rage Radio, everybody out there listening, we want to say thank you so much. And SMP Inc. We'll be back next week. I got Scott Hartman, yeah, buddy. Uh, professor, teacher, <laughs> my buddy, my childhood friend, family, next week on a Hero's Journey podcast. Dream, and I believe it's coming around, it's coming around to me.